Friends, welcome to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. John and Stacy Eldridge um, with you this week. We are interrupting the um, the series we were doing uh, last week. We were uh, excerpting a teaching on the restoration of the soul, which actually is pretty appropriate to to our uh, interruption this week. But we needed to step in and. And share some news um, with you, share our hearts with you, um, bring you into the kind of the family conversation here. <sighs> Gosh, um, I am aware that for some of you, this is the first time you are going to hear this. Um, last week uh, on our Facebook page and through an e-blast and and on my blog, we wanted to alert our friends um, around the world that our um, dear Craig McConnell uh, had um, his cancer had come back, um, raging back. Uh, was a story we will tell you in a moment. Um, but we had put out uh, kind of a a word um, last week and. And then um, this uh, past Monday, August 1st, uh, our dear Craig McConnell stepped into the kingdom at uh, 6.30 in the morning, which was always his favorite time of day, actually. He loved, he loved the early morning. And I, I'm just so sorry if this is your first um, heads up because I know, I know, we um, Craig's been on podcasts recently, and it sounded like he was um, doing better, and in fact, he was doing better. Um, so we just needed to sit with you um, this week and and bring you into the story and tell you a little bit of what's going on and and what happened and what now, and <clears throat> just give your hearts um, some space in that with our hearts as well. So. Yeah, this is a this is hard news to give and mm-hmm. heartbreaking loss that um God gave us the grace and we were anticipating and uh nonetheless we we love our friend and we know where he is. We rejoice where he is, alive and well and in the kingdom and mm-hmm. yet our loss and yours. Yeah. Is, yeah. is big. Yeah. yeah. I know he meant so much to so many of you, and you can probably uh, see our tears uh, through our voices right now. But um, well, um, what had happened was, um, I think most of you know that Craig was in a seven-year battle with leukemia, um, a battle that had some pretty serious ups and downs. We actually thought we were going to lose him uh, several times over the last seven years, and there were some dark nights. There was some horrible, horrific suffering, um, and then there was um, some breakthrough and some promise. And um, gosh, um, he was on—he uh, was in excellent care down at MD Anderson in Houston, which is a, a research uh, cancer facility, uh, one of the best in the world, as many of you know. And they had him on a a new um, 
drug that seemed to be actually doing really well against the leukemia. And mm-hmm. so he was back. He was he was back as um, early as um, back in early April. He was back uh-huh. and, and with us and here in the in town and here in the outpost and um and then there was a sudden turn of events and um what happened was his leukemia morphed it's a very rare syndrome called Richter's um syndrome and the cancer uh the leukemia changed into a lymphoma yes um and if you google lymphoma you'll see it's that's a form of cancer where they basically say, settle your affairs. Um, it's not treatable. Um, it is lethal. And um, it tends to be very, very quick. Right. Um, Craig and Lori got that news in June. We were actually at um, our son's wedding. And in their kindness, they got the news Friday. The wedding was Saturday. They waited uh, till Sunday to to call us to call um the members friends team members and staff at the outpost to let us know that at that point um they were giving him i think five months Mm -hmm. five to eight months Mm -hmm. um so heartbreaking news to get and and in classic and perfect craig fashion out of love he waited to tell us till um so we could fully have the joy, and then oh yeah, of our son's wedding, and yeah, then, then got the phone call the next day, yeah. Lots of prayer, as you can imagine. Um, Ransomed Heart has a circle of intercessors. Many of you are part of that, praying hard, and um, and then and then over the next six weeks, um, things went up and down. You know, um. They tried a new drug to deal with the lymphoma, and it seemed actually to work a little bit. Um, not, it's not something that you can, at this point, apart from God's miracles, um, you don't fully cure lymphoma, but they were hoping to lengthen his days and provide quality of life. And um, it was very interesting. Our, our uh, Brad uh, Beck, our executive director, who is also a doctor, um, spent years in a private practice as a physician. Mm-hmm. He worked at NASA as a physician. Was down there in Houston quite a bit with them. And um, I just completely blanked on where I was going. Um, and this is part of it, gang. We're not going to edit this out. This is trauma brain. I mean, I'm I'm losing my car keys. I'm, I'm holding meetings I've already held. I, I'm having conversations with people I've already had. It's just part of um, the effect of trauma on on the brain um anyway um what happened as brad was kind of walking us through this was um craig's um oh i know what i was gonna say (laughs) brad was down there with craig and and uh he called me and said you know what craig's got he's got one foot in the kingdom in his heart yeah not so much in his body yet we didn't know. We didn't know how long we had, but boy, in his heart, he was so there. He um, times of worship, times of prayer, times of conversation. He was just, he was halfway into into heaven even mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, 
basically what happened, friends, was they ran out of treatment options. And Craig and Lori basically said, we just want to, we just want to go home to Colorado. We want to see our family. We want our girls around us. We want to see our friends. And so they shifted um, about, gosh, barely 10 days ago to palliative care. Um, and we were just so grateful that Craig was able to get home. It was one of the huge answers to prayer that he could be in his own house. Right, because Craig said, I don't want to die fighting cancer. I want to die loving people. Yeah. So like they wanted it out of the hospital. They wanted to be home and in, and he got to be home and he yeah. got to be surrounded by yeah. his family. Yeah, and those, his whole family was yeah. there and, and with him in those last, um, the last week and the grandkids are running around the house. <laughs> right. And, and um, dear friends coming by and um, we asked Craig if, if he would help us to um, obviously shape his memorial service, shape um, the announcement we wanted to make. And and so last, uh, I guess um, I'm losing my time frame, but Friday, the last Friday in July, we put out a blog and a, and a Facebook announcement and an e-blast to our whole list, but some of you didn't get that. And um, we included some words that Craig wanted in there. Let me read those to you. He said, wow. Things can change so fast. So fast it strikes you as wrong, unfair. I was a hair away from remission um, of his leukemia. Then a rather routine CT scan rang our bell. Now I'm fighting stage five Richter's transformation of CLL. I want to say goodbye, dear friends. I want to thank you for the role that you have all played in my life. Till heaven, Craig. And then uh, barely three days later, um, Craig stepped into the kingdom and, and it, it was so gracious. Um, the lymphoma can be pretty brutal and, and the end can be pretty painful as I think a number of you know. And he was in no pain. And, uh, and no suffering. And in fact, there was an incredibly holy moment. Yeah, when uh, Lori was with him all night. And then uh, in the morning, around six, his kids came in. And shortly after that, um, it's a still night, a still morning. And Craig took his last breath, exhaled. And then a mighty rushing wind came blowing through the home. And all of the curtains and their long curtains blew through the air and the swirling wind just filled the space and lasted more than 30 minutes. Yeah. It was pretty holy. Yeah, very holy. Um, so, yeah. I, again, I'm so sorry if this is your first news of this because it can be pretty shocking. And Craig's got a long history here in this studio, and it's hard to be here without him this morning. Um, I think if you've been tracking with Ransomed Heart, you know that we canceled the August boot camp um, barely two weeks away now, and there was just no way um, we could do that. And um, frankly, we um, canceled it before Craig stepped into the kingdom because um, we didn't know if it would be two weeks or three weeks or, yeah, I'm just too hard for all of us um, 
Ransomed Heart is a very small team. There's about there's about uh, twelve full time employees and and three or four part time, and so we're, I mean, this is a little family, and we've journeyed with Craig for years. In fact, when Stacy and I were first married, um, we were in Craig and Lori's marriage group yep. uh, back yep. in Southern California, literally thirty three years ago. Right. He and was so, our college pastor. Yeah, <laughs> he was. That's how we met, and. Um, yeah, so um, we've canceled boot camp. We've actually also canceled Captivating uh, in October. And those of you who affected by that have already received emails of how you can transfer your registration to the next camp. And so all that's been taken care of. But um, we did that for two reasons. One, um, because none of us could just, we couldn't think straight at this point. You know, grief, grief and death um, death is very violent on the human soul. We're, we're not meant um, to experience it. It wasn't the original design. It's not so. Therefore, it's literally not part of our wiring, um, and it throws you hard. As many of you know, um, it, there's a massive amount of disequilibrium and emotions all over the spectrum, and unbelievable exhaustion um, in the grief stages and. We just needed to be realistic and and um, of what our hearts needed and where we would be at and what it would be like to try and offer those events. And um, but also because we stopped and prayed, we didn't just make a knee jerk reaction. We we gathered up as a team and and uh, very seriously, very soberly prayed and asking Jesus some direction um, now. And um, and he did say that we were to. Um, post, you know, cancel those events and try and encourage everyone to move the registration to the next available event, and just to create some some breathing space to to navigate grief. Um, and I, I think that we wanted to use kind of the second half of today's podcast to just say a few things about that because I know your hearts are now um, number of you are going to be kind of reeling with this news. Mm-hmm. Let me start with. Something, um, there's a quote from a beautiful book called Lament for a Son, a little paperback book written by Nicholas Wolterstorff uh, when he lost his uh, adult son. Um, he, He captures it so well when he says, there's a hole in the world now. In the place where he was, there's now just nothing. A center like no other, of memory and hope and knowledge and affection which once inhabited this earth is gone. A perspective on this world, unique in this world, which once moved about within this world, is gone. There's nobody now um, who saw just what he saw, knows what he knew, remembers what he remembered, loves what he loved. A person, an irreplaceable person, is gone. And he says, the world is emptier. <clears throat> and that's just so true. You know, we, we're we in the early stages of this, and so we're, you know, dropping by the house and checking in on the family. We're also meeting as a team and kind of shepherding our own hearts. But man, there is a big, big hole in, 
in ransomed heart now and a big, big hole going forward. And um, I wrote I wrote the staff um, some thoughts uh, literally this morning, um, just about navigating grief. And and I thought, uh, Stace, you actually suggested that. Yeah, that it's I, yeah. Help us, shepherd us, give read, us some clues. Yeah. So just some thoughts on. Here's what I say. I I um, I said in Monday. Um, and that would have been August 1st, we crossed a massive threshold, the threshold. Up till now, Craig was, quote, with us, even if he was away from the outpost or in the hospital or in California or down in Houston. Yesterday, he left our presence. And then I, I gave the staff the quote I just gave you from Lament for a Son, and it ends with, the world is emptier. We know we will see Craig again. We will have him forever. All the playfulness, the kindness, the wisdom, his quirky humor, we will enjoy forever. Craig is our friend forever. What we are grieving is missing him now. In the meantime, there is a big hole in the world now. And one thing about grief is the exhaustion. Grief is so draining, all the emotion. This has been a long fight, and you might find yourself utterly exhausted when you wake up. That's pretty normal. Or you might find that you have energy and feel pretty good, but by one o'clock, you are completely spent, just empty. Yes, so normal, of course. Mercy with exhaustion. And then I go on to say, and the disequilibrium, the disorientation. Death is a violent assault on the soul. It is so hostile, so explosive to God's design for us. The soul experiences it as trauma. Our souls were never meant to go through this. And so we reel like a ship in high seas. We grasp for some sense of normal. It is a very disorienting experience. You might feel it just as weird. I feel so off. Be careful what you reach to for a sense of equilibrium, food, alcohol, busyness. Invite Jesus into the trauma. Invite his love in. Normal will return we will find our balance. It takes some time. Meanwhile, it's exhausting and at times very disorienting. The soul needs care. It needs beauty and nature. Nature is so healing. Take walks. Get outside. Sit before some flowers. Get some exercise. You may not feel like you want to, but your body is going through it and needs to release walks outside. Another thing is the irritation. <laughs> People and things can become so irritating. Who cares about your sister's new car? So trivial. Who cares about that stupid email? Get a life, people. Don't you know what is important? That kind of thing. Our tanks are pretty empty, and the irritation is just a part of the grief process. Be kind to yourself and to others. They probably aren't trying to be irritating. Your soul is just raw. Stay in the present moment. Stay in today. 
Today is where God is. Today is where the grace is. You remember the old Corey Tenboom story about her father and the train? He said to her, Corey, when do I give you your train ticket? And she replied, when I need to get on the train, Papa. She used it as an analogy or a parable for God's grace. We don't feel the grace for tomorrow or for this coming fall because we don't need it now. Only the grace for today. Dear ones, we just can't imagine life without Craig. I know, I know. But we don't have to live into the future. We stay right here with Jesus today. Honestly, today is all I can handle. Grief can't take any more days than today. Keep your heart in today. And then I I recommended to our team, um, you might find reading the section on grief in Walking with God, um, my book called Walking with God, helpful in pages 121 to 130. Wow, there's some things in there that could be describing this very moment. Oh, I think, thank you for that. It's really helpful. And uh, so, like, today is sort of serving a couple of purposes. One, um, uh, for you to to know the loss of your friend that maybe you just heard him over these his precious podcasts and his wisdom, his humor, his everything. There's no one like him. His vulnerability, his honesty, oh, his walk with God. His love. And... When you touch loss, it brings back every other loss you have ever endured. And everybody listening here has known loss. So I, I love your, your guide just to be sensitive, graceful, but also to invite Jesus in. Yes. Invite Jesus in. And what this stirs in you, um, the fact that everyone— is going to pass on to eternity, mm-hmm. everyone, mm-hmm. sooner or later. And mm-hmm. there is hope and to fix our gaze on Jesus, but at the same mm-hmm. time, grieve. Mm-hmm. Grieve, not as those who have no hope, but grieve and and beloved ones, invite Jesus in to yes. catch your heart. Yeah. I, I also wanted just to give a brief little update on Lori, because yeah, you're please. probably wondering how she's doing. And yeah. um, <clears throat> Craig and Lori are married 40 years you know, met when she was in high school. It's a love of her life. And uh, she is surrounded and filled with grace. Mm. Her eyes are locked on Jesus. She actually knows that there's good ahead for her. So she is grieving. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I've been in the presence of a more grace-filled woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm in awe. Yeah. So yes, prayers for her and for the family and those, all of us. But I just want you to know that Jesus is so present, mm. and uh, what a woman. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um. Several weeks before this, and I love the kindness of God. There's just been so many kindnesses in this. Um. Jesus had me reading the silver chair. Uh, yep. In the Chronicles of Narnia, mm-hmm. I was reading it um, to Stacy. As a matter of fact, I think some of you know that she had a hip replacement surgery back in June, and sitting in the hospital, I was using it to distract her. Um, anyway, if uh, Chronicles of Narnia, 
and children get swept off to magical kingdom and there they have many adventures um if you're not familiar with the silver chair two young children a boy and a girl jill and eustace are summoned by the great lion aslan into narnia to rescue to find the lost prince and they do they do after um all their adventures and a lot of hardship and fear and suffering and they find the prince and they bring him home uh, to his aging father only to arrive at the moment that his father passes away. And um, the, the scene I want to read a little bit to you because the children are standing there as, as all of Narnia is suddenly gone from the joy of the reunion to the loss of, of their beloved King Caspian. And um, the music changes from celebration to um, just a tune to break your heart is how Lewis says it. And it picks up here. I wish I was at home, said Jill. Eustace nodded, saying nothing, and bit his lip. I have come, said a deep voice behind them. They turned and saw the lion himself, so bright and real and strong that everything else began at once to look pale and shadowy compared with him. And in less time than it takes to breathe, Jill forgot about the dead king and remembered only how she had made Eustace fall off the cliff and how she had helped to muff nearly all the signs and about all the snappings and quarrelings. And she wanted to say, I'm sorry, but she could not speak. And then the lion drew them toward him with his eyes and bent down and touched their pale faces with his tongue and said, Think of that no more. I will not always be scolding. You have done the work for which I sent you into Narnia. Please, Aslan, said Jill, may we go home now? Yes, I have come to bring you home, said Aslan. And then he opened his mouth and blew. And, and what happens in the scene is all of Narnia is kind of swept away and they suddenly find themselves back on the mountain of Aslan, um, sort of his version of heaven in this beautiful forest and mountain, high up above and beyond the end of that world in which Narnia lies. But the strange thing was that the funeral music for King Caspian still went on, though no one could tell where it came from. They were walking beside the stream and the lion went before them. And he became so beautiful, and the music so despairing, that Jill did not know which of them it was that filled her eyes with tears. Then Aslan stopped, and the children looked into the stream. And there, on the golden gravel of the bed of the stream, lay King Caspian, dead, with the water flowing over him like liquid glass. His long white beard swayed in it like water weed. And all three stood and wept. Even the lion wept. Great lion tears, each tear more precious than the earth would be if it was a single solid diamond. And Jill noticed that Eustace looked neither like a child crying, nor like a boy crying and wanting to hide it, but like a grown-up crying. At least, that is the nearest she could get to it, but really... As she said, people don't seem to have any particular ages on that mountain. Son of Adam, 
said Aslan. Go into that thicket and pluck the thorn that you will find there and bring it to me. Eustace obeyed. The thorn was a foot long and sharp as a rapier. Drive it into my paw, son of Adam, said Aslan, holding up his right forepaw and spreading out the great pad toward Eustace. Must I? said Eustace. Yes, said Aslan. Then Eustace set his teeth and drove the thorn into the lion's pad, and there came out a great drop of blood, redder than all redness that you have ever seen or imagined, and it splashed into the stream over the dead body of the king. At that moment, the doleful music stopped, and the dead king began to be changed. His white beard turned to gray and from gray to yellow and got shorter and vanished altogether. And his sunken cheeks grew round and fresh and the wrinkles were smoothed and his eyes opened and his eyes and his lips both laughed and suddenly he leaped up and stood before them, a very young man or a boy, but Jill couldn't say which because of people having no particular ages in Aslan's country. And he rushed to Aslan and flung his arms as far as they would go around the huge neck. And he gave Aslan the strong kisses of a king. And Aslan gave him the wild kisses of a lion. At last, Caspian turned to the others. He gave a great laugh of astonished joy. Why, Eustace, he said, Eustace, so you did reach the end of the world after all. What about my second best sword that you broke on the sea serpent? Eustace made a step toward him with both hands held out, but then drew back with a startled expression. Look here, I say, he stammered. I mean, it's all very well, but aren't you, I mean, didn't you? Oh, don't be such an ass, said Caspian. But, said Eustace, looking at Aslan, hasn't he died? Yes, said the lion in a very quiet voice, almost, Jill thought as if he were laughing. He has died. Most people have, you know. Even I have. There are very few who haven't. Oh, said Caspian, I see what's bothering you. You think I'm a ghost or some nonsense. But don't you see, I would be that if I appeared in Narnia now, because I don't belong there anymore but one can't be a ghost in one's own country. A great hope rose in the children's hearts, but Aslan shook his shaggy head. No, my dears, he said, when you meet me here again, you will have come to stay. But not now. You must go back to your own world for a while. Friends, we'll be back next week. Um, with more, um, more of the journey, more of the story, uh, with some highlights from some of Craig's podcasts and just to honor him. Uh, but we needed to get word to you and, um, and offer you a little bit of the shepherding that we feel Jesus offering us at this time. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your prayers for Lori and the family. Thank you for your prayers for us here at Ransomed Heart. And may Jesus be near. He is very near. And beloveds, for all those that have gone before us that we've loved and lost, we will see them again. Yeah.
but not yet. Yes. Not yet. Not yet.